0: I say what you know about it? It's the stew, baby. Got the in and pasta.
1: Young stew,
0: love, baby. Oh. And the room is hot. The... Hola, hola. You're listening to The Stew. All right. Sure. It is Seis de Mayo. But we are recording this on Cinco de Mayo. Mm, sure. All right. And we're celebrating it by having a canned Miller Lite a fine pilsner beer. We are, but we're also cooking food, too. Oh, we're cooking food. We're, yeah, we're, you're going to cook up some flap steaks and some onions and some peppers. Some, b- some poblanos. I'm going to make some sort of Mexican-ish themed salad. I
1: didn't ask you about the dressing. What's up with the dressing?
0: Oh, the dressing is gonna be a lime vinaigrette. Okay, good. With queso fresco crumbles. Love it. Some raw garlic, crushed. Mm. Maybe uh, you macerate
1: a little bit. Maybe put in a little
0: lime juice first. Mellow that garlic out. Maceracion? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Some something like that. Some radishes. I'm gonna hit it with some spinach. I got some tomatoes, avocados. Gonna crumble up some tortilla chips in there. That's a great idea oh, you know what, I, I should have got some frijoles negros. That would have I might been. have a can. Okay, well, these are all things that, I mean, I'm sure you guys are listening, you want to hear us like discuss what we're going to put in the salad. It's a food podcast, right? Sure, I think that, that works for, uh, for the listeners at home on so our, de Mayo. Yeah, we, uh, we did not record one last weekend. Jason was a little under the weather. I was a little under the weather while having to DJ a lot. I was well, that's like, not code for hungover. You were actually legit sick. I was I was, I was, was sick, and then I had to DJ on Thursday, and then Friday, and then Saturday, and then mmm. But now I'm feeling good. I'm back to being bueno. Went to the gym today. Oh, yeah. First time in a while. Oh, yeah. It's like riding a bike? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess so. I mean, I did ride my bike, literally. <laughs> there you go. Uh... Yeah, I was thinking uh, on the way over, there's a coffee shop by your house called Maru that I've taken a liking to lately. That's my favorite coffee shop right now by far in L.A. Or at least on the east side. I'm loving it. There's a lot of coffee shops I probably don't know about. M-A-R-U on Hillhurst in Los Feliz on the east side of L.A. My mom's obsessed with their ceramic mugs. She just bought six. Damn. It
1: was a birthday slash Mother's Day present to herself.
0: Mm, And apparently they have a good biscuit there. Um, Biscuit's incredible, actually. Uh, uh, incredible, like, true, like fantastic, and they have only on the weekends though. Uh-huh. They have a great deal, which I've, which is another thing, is like because their their coffee is so good. If you buy a a bag of beans, like a home bag of beans, whatever, it'll be eighteen to twenty one dollars for expensive artisanal, nice, fancy coffee. Mm-hmm. But if you buy that, you get any drink that they sell for free. That's a Starbucks move, but well, the thing is, that's a Starbucks move. But it's so tight. But when at Starbucks, you can get any drink, or they just give you a cup of coffee. So I think, <clears throat> I don't know, because you can get a cup of coffee that costs three, four bucks, or no.
1: I think it's a whole thing. I think I've seen posts on the internet because that's a thing. Mm. Um, I look at it sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That there's like a scam where people see the most expensive drink they can get. Oh, but maybe that's with like rewards or something. But well, like that if makes you, sense. Like, what's the most expensive drink you can get for buying? Yeah, so it's like they've rung it up to like some. I think it's gotten as high as like seventy eight dollars because it'll be like thirty two shots, add every syrup, whipped cream, like that kind of thing. Oh, where it's like a, it's a joke. Um,
0: well, the beauty of this one is you can
1: you can get. It doesn't the, make you vomit horrendously after drinking it because it's really nice coffee and you yeah. can just
0: get one. But you can get the expensive things like a $7 matcha almond milk latte. Yeah, those are good. I usually don't like matcha and those. those I usually don't like matcha either. Ice
1: lattes are very good.
0: And matcha's having a big moment right now. Ugh, so. That's. Okay. What was it like a month ago? We did a. We asked, like we did a
1: podcast and it was what was the most overrated thing matcha mm-hmm. mm. so i've had so many bad matcha things <laughs> i've had a lot of bad matcha things as well it's
0: weird but this and, one's very good this one i actually like <clears throat> incredibly refreshing and nice i'm i'm challenging myself to explore more into it though like why people like i like green tea when it's really good but everyone just loves like when it's like a green tea flavored something right and i've i I've never really never really understood it like the green tea kit kat bars like you know they're, they're good but are they better than just a regular kit kat bar i don't know or like the green tea flavored ice creams and stuff like they're good but it's such an artificial thing it's kind of but then when you have like your mom blessed me with some really really good imported green tea that i bloomed up and it was like it was so subtle and, it's and very different, and and, it, and it's very akin to like all what I'll say about eating sea urchin or oysters or something like that, where a shitty version of it is just useless when you've tried yeah. the top of the top of the jam. Did you top have? Of the gam- did you have a favorite pour? I only did one pour. That was a problem. Oh my! I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. She's gonna be so sad. No, I told her. Okay. No, it's because I tried it at like. 10 p.m. Oh, fair. So I only had one. No, actually, you know what? I did two pours. Nikki got some, and I think she did five, and she said the second one was her favorite. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once once you have that, there's no, there, yeah, just regular green tea is just garbage to me. But uh, you can say that about almost every food out there. Sure. Garbage uni. Yes. Garbage creme fraiche. <laughs> Um, it is Cinco de Mayo. Hopefully you guys celebrated all of that yesterday. Hopefully nobody's waking up in the clink. <laughs> Hopefully you're all, if you're listening to this, you're not, I mean, you can't listen to a podcast in jail. I think we've talked about this before on here, haven't we? Somebody might have prison walleted a cell phone in. You don't know.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> Shout outs to all our prison listeners if who use in jail, their
0: time minutes to listen to <laughs> take a moment. our you, podcast. You have nothing but time to leave us a nice rating and review. Five stars, and we'll show you out. Um, because- but wait, no,
1: I think um, the there's an article, or not an article. There was a a story on NPR today about how Cinco de Mayo is falling on a Friday, which like quadruples the DUIs. Oh, as opposed to like when it lands on like a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Like if it's a Friday or Saturday, apparently, obviously, it gets bucked. It makes sense, mm-hmm. and they they've got like ten times the amount of checkpoints because it's a Friday and that whole thing, so.
0: Man, if you're still drinking and driving in 2017, what the heck is wrong with you? I know. I mean, there's no reason. But drink it up as our society crumbles. it's It's been a dark couple weeks, you know? Healthcare is happening. That's a thing, right? Oof. We're not going to get into it. No, we're not. We're going to skip right over that. One good part about the world is we got a lot of rain in the last few months we're due for a shower in a couple of days we That's, might get yeah. a, a spring shower yeah and be- and because of that i've noticed as i walk around my neighborhood all the time i've seen a lot of new plants mm-hmm. blooming that i've never seen before like i'll walk down the same sidewalk every day for the last you know five to ten years and be like boom here's a new weird thing here's a new fruit here's a new veg popping up and i've and i've been eating a lot of mulberries yeah. I don't even know if I know what a mulberry is. I mean, they're... they're. they're I've, I've ever had one. They kind of look like a long, a little bit longer, more oval-shaped raspberry. Okay. But then it's kind of a pinkish color with, like, a clear purple kind of gradient going on. And then there's also, like, Turkish mulberries where they're really, really mm. dark purple and even longer. Like, they look like if a... Ro- like a a purple like jalapeno shape was made with little. Like, Did you raspberry. know this at the farmers
1: market? No,
0: because this is a random drop
1: for you not only to mention mulberries. I know that's why. And I'm... then go, but there's also Turkish
0: mulberries. This is only from me looking at social media. Okay. Like I have, I have just walked down the. I was walking down the street and there's a mailman standing underneath the tree. And he was just standing there and I was like, What are you doing? You're a mailman, like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? He looked kind of at him. I was like, What are you looking at, bud? And he's like, mulberry tree. And then I I looked up and there were just thousands of mulberries. And I was so tall that I could reach all the good, juicy ones. Close to the sun. I'm closer to the sun, man. Six nine. Come see me. Uh, and and we just sat there, the mailman and I, and we just munched some mulberries. Flavor, not that great. It kinda tastes like a Unripe honeydew melon crossed with a raspberry. What? It's odd. I think the Turk. What? I think the Turkish ones are a lot more flavorful. Or at least they look like it. Because is there a chance that you picked them when they weren't ripe. I was. I picked them when they're. I picked the ripest looking ones possible. Right. There is absolutely a chance that I picked them before they were too. Before they were ripe. But sure. Uh, here, there's a pick.
1: Shout out to the USPS for um, oh that seems so unright.
0: <laughs> oh my
1: god, it looks like the actor Powder in a berry oh form. Oh my god, the main actor from Powder in a berry form is what a picture you just showed me. Okay, mulberries are supposed to be very dark. <laughs> oh my god, I just wish this is this is one of those moments where it's so sad that this is an audio <laughs> media delivery because. That's insane. You so, guys just sat there eating
0: raw, unripe mulberry berries. And see, look, these ones, these are the Turkish ones, the long, long well, daddies. Those are crazy.
1: Those almost look like jalapenos.
0: Yeah, they're very interesting looking. And they're very beautiful. Beautiful berries. Uh, but I guess I need to eat. Yeah, why don't you give it a month or two, huh, bud? Look, I was excited, <laughs> man. I would have been excited, too, and I would have eaten them with you, and they probably were fine. And then another right down, the, down on the same street low quats very tight and i've never seen those and i think it's a a thing that's not that uncommon it's not that uncommon but it's
1: a citrus and citrus
0: in southern california i don't think it's a citrus really Mm -hmm. and it has like a seed or two in it they're kind of i thought it was a citrus it's a species of flowering plant native to the cooler. I don't, it's not a citrus. Not a citrus. Just because it has quat in it, it's an ornamental plant, commonly used. Uh, I mean, Asian people really mess with it heavy. But that, that flavor was delicious. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. It's a lot of a seeds in of those. Yeah yeah yeah. I, uh they're kind of oval shaped, yellow, you know, give them a google. I was like, "What is this fruit?" I put it on Instagram and then like 10 people wrote back saying it's a loquat and they're all Asian. It's just early summer foraging. Yeah, man. The streets are are juicy and there's a lot of wild fennel out I'm I'm seeing out lately, but I've been told not to eat that because the fennel, like curbside fennel can really absorb a lot of exhaust and nature's nastiness. And just kind of have it be a unwielding. What about rosemary? Mm, I think that's a little eh, probably the same, because rosemary is really oily and it absorbs a lot of you know that oil just soaks it all up. I use so much street rosemary. I do too, but I haven't even thought of it. Just give it a good rinse. I always do. It's going to taste like. I've never
1: had a bad tasting street rosemary, (laughs) and I always wash it. Street rosemary. Mulberry
0: Street, Rosemary, you dig?
1: Uh, so yeah, that's. What but wait, you were telling me about a foraging thing that you can sign up for. Mmm, they're really cool.
0: Yeah, there's a dude like in the San Gabriel Mountains, and if you you can, I I'll I i got to look up the website, but he will take you on a guided tour, just like th- like up like a freeway overpass, like under a bridge, and be like, here's where you can harvest all of these edible plants and herbs and, and it's things like that. Specific to a meal, right? It'll be it'll be with the goal of doing something. And I think it's only like twenty dollars. And you go up and spend the afternoon with him and he'll be like, This is we're gonna find this like weird nettle and make a hot sauce out of it. So cool. Or we're gonna find this cactus and then we're gonna take the fruit off of the cactus and then ferment that and turn it into a cactus alcohol. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Yeah. I really wish I knew... Uh... We're going to find this cactus, smoke this
1: joint, and shoot it with a gun. <laughs> it's like, all right, cool. <laughs> I'm going to look it up
0: right now, actually. That's a different kind of class, but one I'm also a fan of. All right, I'm pulling it up, baby. I'm pulling it up. Mm-mm, bear with me. No, but I just
1: really like the idea. Like, foraging is very cool. I know my my dad used to go with my great-grandma and forage for... Um, for mushrooms in Oakland growing up. Mm. But I've never done any foraging of that nature myself. But the idea too that it's not just like, here's a bunch of stuff you can get that it's kind of tailored to a specific goal or dish. Mm-hmm. That part to me I think is very cool too. And you're hiking, right? So at the end of the day. I agree cool. with that. A little exercise. A little calorie burn. You're in nature. Pop the shirt off. Sun's
0: out, bun's out. <laughs> get some vitamin D. Alright, I found the website urbanoutdoorskills.com wild food gastronomy and nature walks before you hear the second description it
1: sounds very doomsday preppy it,
0: it, does, it does have that vibe and then nature's gastronomy is like oh okay this
1: is probably kind of chill
0: yeah like on Sunday April 30th they found elderflower harvested it and made soda and champagne out of it that's so cool very cool so, yeah, look that up if you live in the LA area. Maybe it'll be like a food destination. If or you're if visiting. you're on your way to LA, make it part of your vacation. Mm. I went to, uh, just had some weird food notes that we can just run through them. I went to Airwan, a health food, very high end market in LA. If you haven't heard of it, it's like makes Whole Foods look like CVS. Yeah, or a 7 Eleven. It makes Whole price Foods look like 7 and they have, uh, you can you, you you know, like when you can hit the prepackaged aisle and, like, get some hard-boiled eggs. Like, mm-hmm. you know, get a few hard-boiled eggs as a little protein snacker kind of thing. hmm Salad topper? Salad topper. The four-pack of hard-boiled eggs at Erewhon, $6. That's strong. That's strong. um I, I got a weird coffee there that had, like herbs and unmentionable like medicines in it and it was delicious and they're like do you want me to put cbd in it or not at Erwan i think if they're just so rich that you, they just put cbd oil and stuff if you ask well it's isn't cbd oil totally legal if there's no thc in it
1: i don't i don't think so i thought it was legal like it's not no prescription no anything for non you can't just CBD buy it anywhere oil. i know that i thought you could I, I Maybe there's know. a strain of CBD oil that's like not as tight that is legal or something. Because there's like dog, there's dog CBD oil and that you can't get old. You Where do you buy that? I don't know. Exactly. But you can't. No. Okay. There's some version of it that's got to be flying around the radar. Yeah, that I mean, somehow yeah, like. And there so
0: are, there are varying levels. Just yeah, how you can. They're not hitting you with like pharmaceutical grade, like crazy CBD oil. Well, oh, and also just how you can get. Hemp oil at Trader Joe's, right? And you can get hemp oil at the dispensary. Yeah, one of them costs seventy dollars. One of them costs eight dollars. One of them make you feel better than the other. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. I'm listening. Both of them have. I didn't like, know that you could CBD oil Smoke point. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so cool in a way that like I'll never do it, but just that it, it exists makes me It has like a weird elitist feel to it, where it's just like everyone's like, yeah, we're just gonna start putting CBD in our stuff, and then the cops are like. Alright. Well it's like it's like a ver- it's a
1: it's a hippie version of like that such an exclusive one. LA club that you can do cocaine out on the tables. Yes. Everybody is so vetted that they're not gonna take photos. There's no shenanigans mm-hmm. and it's like some crazy private situation. Mm-hmm. But the hippie
0: version of that. And that's truly where you want to be out in life. Just as a pro tip. If you're in that room where you can do all that and everyone's vetting each other, everyone's in a checkmate scenario the vibes chill and the vibe is chill oh baby we can do that every night i went to speaking of elite things i went to like the opening of a clothing store and squirrel catered it and they had this turmeric turmeric lime popcorn i didn't know it happened delicious nobody told me it happened Mm, yeah i didn't i was i was i was a plus one of somebody i'm sorry i'm huge into fashion <laughs> as all the listeners know mm. I There's am a women's clothing store called straight Bird.
1: Up, tell me somebody that you know that's a bigger popcorn head than me though you do like popcorn
0: love popcorn oh it was good and i don't like uh room temp popcorn and it was interesting and the thought of eating turmeric popcorn sounds dumb to me and i mm. and i was munching it down it's got that. It's got kind of a Jessica brewer's from yeast vibe. You smart,
1: turmeric, brewer's yeast. Those are all those little subtle hints that can <clears throat> get that
0: popcorn turned. Well, we've got some. Uh, we've got some listener questions that we're going to blast through now that we've wetted our whis- whistle. First question from my old friend Justin Thomas K. How do you feel about carbs? Carbs. I was talking to my friend Devin who was like, Yeah, I don't eat carbs anymore or sugar. Like he doesn't eat fruit anymore. Okay. Doesn't eat carbs or anything. like it just seems it just seems a little a little odd. Well, well hopefully he's listening to this. Um Does he listen? He listens to Tall Tales. He might listen to this.
1: <laughs>
0: Devin, you little bitch. <laughs> um no, I think I think it's,
1: I don't know, that's a conversation about like gluten and carbs, and, you know, not all carbs have gluten, like it's different, but Mm -hmm. that's probably part of it. Um, I would say a reasonable amount of sugar from whole fruits is, it's incredible to me that somebody would skip that. I'm not talking about a glass of orange juice, I'm talking about eating an orange. Just munching a banana. Glass of orange juice, not great for you. Mm -hmm. Eating an orange, very good for you. Um, so that's very confusing to me. And I also think certain complex non-processed carbs are very good for exercise. And I think they're very much not, I think they're very much a part of a a healthy active lifestyle. If you want to mention Devin Foley, I think he either sits or stands a lot, but he's in the same place. He, you know, he's in tech and, you know, I don't know. It, It just surprises me that, um, to do that wholeheartedly, just to cut that swath out of your diet when there are carbs is covers so many things and so many healthy options depending on your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't he think could be in the boat. I don't think it's intrinsically a healthy thing, but I I think mm-hmm. some people could do with eating a lot less carbs.
0: I, th- I think for him specifically, it might be leaning a little on the uh, psoriasis relief side. I know that that's a big thing. Well, I mean... Shout out to all of our listeners with psoriasis. We believe in you. We love you. Yeah, I mean, like, when you're talking about very specific... We won't
1: touch you, though. ...to a person's needs or allergies... No interest in touching your skin. Sure. But when you talk about it as kind of like a lifestyle for everybody, kind of like, drink less, eat less processed sugar, eat less processed foods, that's, I think, that covers everybody in the world.
0: <laughs> but when you talk about
1: it like, ah, the world shouldn't eat carbs, it's kind of like, what, what? No, 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 no. That's, that's yeah, and, a very our, and our friend Justin is
0: approaching this from sort of the paleo CrossFitty kind of world.
1: Well, there's all I mean, but also, I mean, in that world too. I mean, if you're trying to drop weight, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to drop weight from being heavily overweight, or are you trying to cut into an eight pack definition where mm-hmm. you're LA model worthy or yeah, New York model worthy? I mean. When you do that, I'm when you need scary, to get scary skinny, yeah. When you need to get really cut and defined, I mean, there's so many things that you have to do, and it's
0: very, very nutrition specific. It's
1: not; it's less about exercise and way more about nutrition when you're talking about certain stuff that you need to do for. Eight packs
0: made in the kitchen, not the gym. We we've said that many a time, many times. A lot of a lot of kelp noodles,
1: a lot of kelp noodle carbonara. You know what I mean?
0: But I think the paleo
1: diet. I mean, I think it's probably very healthy and works really well for people. I I just don't.
0: Mm-hmm. Until you have an aneurysm, it's just
1: it's just one of those things where it's like <laughs> it's going to happen. There's not really an guys. answer for everybody, and if it works for you, it's great. But I think he does look buff and he's strong. It's more so about that's cool. conscious eating. Yeah, he didn't get that way by not exercising either. If that's the situation, so uh, he's flipping tires. Yeah, please believe.
0: Oh, he's doing CrossFit. He's doing triangle push-ups, upside down, and stuff like that. I pray for your joint, friend. Yeah. <laughs> I pray for your all um, connective tissue. Yeah, your, your connective tissue. Oh, brother. Um, So, yeah, that's how we feel about carbs. I feel like, you know, I think we, we probably eat too many carbs, and our body is, like, addicted to them, and we're probably... That's why I, like, I I have to force myself to eat, like, sweet potatoes all the time because I know it's a good carb that's good for me, and it gives me energy, but, like, sometimes I really just want to eat some chili cheese Fritos or, like, some chips and guac, and, like, that's the carb that I crave because it's so delicious and salty and crunchy. It's the crunch, you know?
1: Yeah, but I was talking to a friend of mine a while ago, a couple years ago, and he was saying I'm gluten-free now. Um, Or not gluten-free, I'm I'm carb-free. And and he made a good point because I try to eat consciously, uh, and I know when... I'm kind of like, all right. What, I'm just gonna have whatever I want today. Or I know this is not necessarily like a great idea, but it's what I want to do, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And, then eat, yeah, and then I eat. Yeah, then I eat healthy or, or do something different. But he was like, it's really easy for me. Like he's like, you know, because he's not. He wasn't somebody that really thought about tr- nutrition or what he was eating. And he was like, I started thinking about it when I first, you know, started cutting carbs out, and I was like, I'll have toast, and then for lunch I'll have a sandwich, and then at night I'll have a pasta, or I'll have something with bread, or I, and. Or I'll, and I won't Whoa. even think about it because it's just that's very normal average food yeah. or a bowl of cereal and mm-hmm. a sandwich. And he's like, and there's all these things that I don't have to eat with that. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. And I don't eat like that. <clears throat> like I don't unconsciously like have bread in the morning. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, okay, what am I doing? Am I going to exercise in a couple hours and I'll have a bowl of oatmeal or like I'll do this. And if I'm going to have a sandwich, do I really want this sandwich or is this just what lunch is? Because if it's what lunch is, I'll not have a sandwich. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. it's very specific and dependent on what you eat. And I think what can be healthy for people that aren't that conscious about what they're eating is kind of looking at and identifying how they just take for granted that what they're shoving in their mouth may not be the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not super unhealthy, but just like a turkey sandwich with bread is kind of like, is it a great turkey sandwich? Because if it's not, like maybe not the best thing.
0: Mm-hmm. That's why uh that's why you eat it over the sink and you chew it. Yeah. And then you just spit it out. You just hide it in your bathroom underneath the toilet. You gotta hide a sandwich in the bathroom because you never know.
1: You tape it under there just like the mm-hmm. the revolver in Godfather.
0: <laughs> you just hide that thing. Mm-hmm. Ben asks at Milkmain. Milk, Main. <laughs> Milk Main with a C. Instead of K, which is interesting, can't ban the milk, milkman. What's everyone's collard green game like? What's best meat to use with collards? Smoked turkey leg, ham hock? No best. Find
1: find something that you really like. Find something that's smoking. Yeah, what are those called? Are really those called
0: seasoning meats? Is that what that's called? Seasoning meats. I don't know. Yeah, there's like ham hocks and smoked turkey wings, necks, wings. Yep. All that stuff. I like. Uh, I mean, I like a ham hock myself personally. But I mean, just regular old bacon is really good, and pancetta is really good, and they're they're all delicious. I wouldn't use something as. I mean, pancetta is
1: great, but I think it's a it's a subtler, yeah, more expensive, sure. But bacon for sure. Um, I think there's no right answer. I think when you when you try something like at a farmer's market where somebody's smoking. And selling their own stuff as opposed to just buying something from a grocery store. Mm -hmm. We put those two ham hocks next to each other. You're like, this is two different meats completely. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you might prefer ham, but a nicer smoked turkey leg from somebody that you know locally is selling something could be way better than a store bought ham
0: hock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're still going to be pretty cheap. Yes. So spend a couple extra bucks. Don't go to the piggly wiggly. Nope but i find like so
1: the meat thing aside i think whatever the best you can find for smoke flavor and you know low sodium and and you know like smoked things not done well can Add a chemical taste to whatever you're doing, so it's mm. important to find something I think that you like. I've definitely used things that I was like, Ugh, "This has got like a tinge of artificial." Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: I prefer the ham hock. I really like how it cooks down by far, and then the little chunks of meat kind of flake off, and then there's a little bit of there's a lot of fat, and there's also a lot of meat, and there's also a lot of more collagen, than connective tissue, and collagen that kind of evens it out into like a nice. You won't get that emulsion. much out of
1: a of a wing. Or yeah. a leg. You get way more collagen out of it because it's
0: coming out of the foot. I know some people like to hit with it with shin. a little uh, little dry vermouth. Just like a little thimbleful of that is a nice tip. I think you're crazy if you don't use a little bit of
1: tomato juice when you're doing greens. Because mm. that to me, that's the thing that really kind tomato of cuts juice. any of the bitterness out of any kind of collard green or mustard
0: green. And tomato naturally occurring umami. So More than any
1: other veg, maybe? I think the pro tip for greens is more, if anything, if you're braising them to use a little
0: bit of tomato juice. So is it tomato juice or tomato water? I, don't, I mean, I, I, mm. <clears throat> I was thinking about tomato water the last couple days because I'm always thinking of dumb stuff to do. I but like, definitely never use tomato water because it's
1: usually pureed tomatoes or I'll take San Marzano's and blend them until they're pureed enough to do that. But
0: tomato water, like we really subtle... It is really subtle. I want to know, taking that tomato water, using it for something else, making, uh, making bread out of tomato water, making pizza dough out of tomato water, Is that will that be lost? Will all those subtleties of the tomato water be gone when it's baked off? Will it be there? Will it turn it a cute pink color? What do you think? Yeah, I'm not much of a tomato water head. That's the best part. Nobody is. but um And I was also, well, I thought of this idea because I was... Is that that's that's what's, what's using, like, like, tomato breads? Tomato water? No. 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 I don't think anyone does that. No. But I was thinking about it because I was steaming some shard per your mom's request. And what up, Jill? How you doing? Lovely to see you. <laughs> Steamed it, and then I had this, like, you know, an inch of greenish looking water in the bottom of my pot and I was like oh there's probably some nutrients in there and I'm just going to like throw it away what if you just made you know made some bread out of this sure is that but I I would like to if anyone knows if there's any nutrients in there at all if it's worth it there has to be something
1: mhm I mean if it's organic and pesticide free and all that stuff and there's no potential you know leaching or anything like it's got to be but it's got there's gotta be something in there, even if mm-hmm. it's so
0: minimal hmm but it will also like because it has trace elements of shard or tomato in there, will that hinder the ability for the yeast to ooh that's a good question to bloom or will it help it and turn it into a a hyper mother dough well now you're just being really positive, but I also really just like the idea of like you buy you get like a can of tomatoes from like a can of san marzanos from the From the green hills of Italy and it's shipped in a truck and a boat and an airplane all the way to you. You squeeze it and you separate the water and then you have this water that rained down from Italy. And now it's just sitting in your kitchen and it costs you like three dollars. And then you're like, you don't want to just throw that magic water away. Use it for something. Brush my teeth with it. Water your flowers with it and then they'll turn into
1: tomato plants. I'm pretty
0: sure that's how that works. That's, that kind of reminds me of, that's like a little sausage party-esque. Or like it's yeah. a little like, you're watering me with my brothers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like when you make uh, chicken and eggs. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of thing of, uh, you know, this is your baby and I'm like scrambling you with your children. It's gross. Yeah, I would like to, yeah, raining down tomato water on a tomato plant and then the little tomatoes just screaming because it's so... I mean I'm
1: pretty sure if I died in this apartment, Lenny would eat me at some point. Lenny is your dog. My dog. You should clarify. Sure. <laughs> uh
0: shout out to Lenny for eating me if I die. Interesting and not turn. Feed you. Interesting turn. Next question. Yeah, thanks for that question. Milk main, that's what I say. Um Max, my friend, uh Print Club. We have to investigate the best char sioux in LA. Mm-hmm. Andre, do you have any insight on that? No, but it's not gonna be in LA. Mm. It's gonna
1: be in San Gabriel Valley, I would imagine. Well, you know.
0: I guess that'll count as
1: well. But yeah, I would yeah, I would look towards Alhambra or SGV before mm-hmm. LA.
0: There might be like there are also like the, the So char Siu is kinda like the Chinese barbecued grilled pork kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um,
1: uh huh. it's the you know, the it's sweet. It's got some plum in
0: it. It's what's red, what mm-hmm. you see. It's like a, it has that pinkish color to it. Mm-hmm. I
1: don't know if it's grilled. I think it might be kind of smoked. Mm-hmm. It kind of has braised. a little
0: like Japanese Hawaiian kind of Pan Asian feel to it as well. With the I, mean, I think mix. so,
1: but that might have been co-opted because it's a very traditional Chinese style of cooking barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you find yeah you will find that like that, <clears throat> and you know the. The cheat around char shoe is where they'll use like red dye to right. make it and then just put some kind of sweets on it. Wait, Chinese restaurants will it, do that? No, <laughs> never. But I mean, the places that don't, you know, that are trying to do it cheap or cut the corners, like you'll get a very kind of like faked out looking because that pink color is a big part of it. Mm. That red color. I mean, traditionally, the really good versions, like the, the, the char shoe on it is actually like a lacquer. Right. It's like this dark, deep red. Like a picking duck kind of yeah, exactly. orange chicken feel. But there might be, and I don't know, there might be some kind of sleeper in Chinatown or something than yeah, well, like I did just like little... the smoke the smoked duck place that you like a lot.
0: I did some light googling, the and apparently smoke, huh? somebody said the char siu at Daikokuya is hard to beat. Ooh! Which is the uh, infamous ramen restaurant that in Little sense. Tokyo. I could see them doing it very. There's also a place called Sam Wu that people. Sam see Wu what I've you been like. to Sam Wu Barbecue. Sure,
1: that's like a that's a a staple, a downtown staple. I've eaten there like on Chinese New Year. Um, it's like uh, what's the. Uh, the chinese place it's got slippery shrimp yang chow. yeah it's like yang chow okay. Sam Wu to downtown la is like is like a version of yang chow it's been okay. there forever super solid very you know but as far as like the best version i'm not sure if it's you know if it's artisan to okay. use a shitty word but it's good <laughs> i've definitely had that but they also do Samu is a place that has like a Peking duck hanging in the window kind mm-hmm. of place.
0: So it's all there. Okay. So that's what we say, Max. And that does sound good. Actually, it sounds very good right now. Cinco de Mayo? Even Hell though no. it's Cinco de Mayo, to eat some lacquered, uh, lacquered Chinese pork sounds good. Uh, next, my, my man, Sean, young Chancleta. Hi, how are you? Good. He he asked like five different questions. Good summer pasta thoughts. And the follow up question is ramps or nah? Let's hit the ramps question first. Ramps. I think. I, look, I, ramps are are they that good? No, they're not that good. They're they're good. They're fine. They're not. They're expensive. Uh, they're not they're orgasmic. Heralded.
1: I think they're cultural. I think they're specific. Like when you get into the South in that season, and people go out and pick them, and they're extremely expensive. Yeah. It's really a fun, great thing to kind of have be part of your culture. But when you stack it up next to, uh, you know, like leaks, it's just a leak. It's kind of a leak. Right. And people will argue the, the subtleties of it, and I totally like that. like green that. garlic or... Sure. And I respect all that, and it's probably the best version of that. But for the cost of it and kind of like it, the lore around it, I don't know. I mean... We already brought up foraging. I mean, there's like a big part of during ramp season too. You mm-hmm. go out and you forage ramps, right? Um, I forage at Dean and DeLuca, so I think they're very cool. And there's no knock against them except that, like, is it is it that universally better than not worth being the hype in a similar family? But if if you said you were making something with them, I'd be super excited to eat it. Sure, so, n-
0: sure. There you go. Um, yeah, like. It, there's many. But like if you say like black truffle
1: as an ingredient, right, y- incredible. Mm-hmm. Like
0: there's there's nothing that kind of like gets close to it. Mm-hmm. But ramps, I've had a pretty damn good green onion that's pretty damn close to a ramp. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. green onions cost 8 cents sure. at the supermarket. So So yeah, ramps. Very cool.
1: Summer pasta, I don't know, always tomatoes. Mm. I mean, California tomatoes. Oh, really? Um you know, just the, the fact that when they come
0: in, it's, like, it's kind of hard to beat. Yeah, I think that, that recipe that you would use, the Nancy Silverton one with the, the roasted cherry tomatoes and the onions and the garlic, we just roast that in, a, in the oven for an hour with a bunch of olive oil and then put it in the blender with some torn basil. That one... Really good. But also when I hear summer pasta... I think primavera, I think like... Uh, <clears throat> a lot of it, for me, goes to like a cold pasta mm-hmm, or like right. a, a room tempi kind of pasta. Sure. Where, and then that kind of goes into a pesto zone for me. I think... Or at least like an experimental pesto zone. I mean, it's kind of like... The summer pasta is almost...
1: That question, it's not so much summer pasta, is like a seasonal pasta, meaning... What looks incredible to you when you go and shop for it? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because if you shop at a supermarket, you're going to get anything you want whenever you want, and it's kind of like the crisis of food. It's been talked about a lot. Oh yeah. Where we, we have eating Netflix. eating out of yeah eating out of season is not necessarily good for the world and, <clears throat> and doesn't produce good quality produce either. Right. Um, but the
0: other part is if you're going to eat summer seasonal foods, especially in California, that's sort of it's still all of them. It's like yeah, Most of them too, yeah. are bumping in in yeah. summertime. More more so than a lot of more places. More so than fair. other places that have actual seasons. Which is why we're lucky over here. Um, but yeah, I mean... Summer pasta to me means letting everything speak for itself as much as
1: possible and just using olive oil. Mm. You know, like you're staying away from anything that's really kind of heavy flavored. You're staying away from any kind of meats that really is going to kind of overtake anything i think summer and i think vegetable and you know i think you're starting to reap some of your your harvest from your garden and i don't know i mean mm-hmm. i'd stay away from sausages i would stay away from cured meats i would stay away from heavy cheeses cream I'd definitely stay away from any kind of dairy for the so summer
0: pasta is the time to flex your vegetable haul at the yeah, farmer's market and flex your high-end olive By oil. By the expensive olive oil. Yeah, get that real stanky olive oil.
1: And also summer pasta to me, like, I don't know, it's in my head, but it's fresh pasta, not a dried pasta. Oh,
0: okay. And also fresh pasta to me means instead of microplaning or grating the Parmesan, to do shavings of Parmesan. Ah, sure. And also the inc- Looks dramatic too. the inclusion of mint. In the pasta mm-hmm. is, is screaming summertime as well. Mm-hmm. Ooh, oh my God, is it rose season already? Exactly. <laughs> Damn, I want, a, I want a nice crispy glass of Grigio. This, this is all sound, this is all checking out. With uh, a Pellegrino. Next question from him. He has a few top three meats on a charcuterie plate. Great mm. question.
1: I mean, I feel like I learn about new charcuterie all the time. There's like, a lot. I
0: will, I will f- go to places. Um, Well, let's do top two. For me, my top two, one of them is always going to be a country pâté or or like a liver mousse pâté. mm -hmm. Like for me, that one has the most bang for my buck. And then I prefer a really nice thinly sliced ham scenario to a salami or pepperoni scenario. So you're not going whole muscle... Charcuterie, then? No, You're no, going no. Ground. Ground. No, ground for the first one, but for the, for the second one, I'm talking a, a th- no, but s- salami's ground. It's ground meat. Yeah, I'm saying I, I I prefer the whole muscle to the salami. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, sorry,
1: yeah, I heard that backwards. I thought you were saying you prefer a salami.
0: Okay, yeah. For me, I
1: my least favorite usually are salamis or pepperonis, any of the ground meat, the whole muscle stuff like culatello, serrano. I mean, I would say Kulatel, which is kind of a version of um, which comes from the shoulder Um, I I don't know the real intricacies of it but I know that it's not necessarily traditionally the way you make it in Italy it's not legally, you can't do it in the United States because of the temperature that you need to cure the meat at but um, I think spaca got around that or at least changed it, and they were serving it for a while. It was really incredible. The first time I had it was at Bel Campo Meat Camp. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I I feel like I like I was saying I'll go name to name your favorite
0: meats, baby. But don't I don't
1: dance around it. I think it's more. It's less about specific cuts, and it's more about that I don't like the ground variety of mm-hmm. of, of that. Less I like of the a whole stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and. Always love a country pate or a moose, um, mm. but it's it seems like such a stupid thing to say. But I kind of like whatever's best on the charcuterie plate, and I think that <laughs> kind of like isn't a cop out in the sense that like sure. no, that makes sense. So what is my favorite? Well, is it like is it a shitty pate? Right,
0: right, or right, right. is it
1: two really great pepperonis? Even though I don't like pepperoni, they're incredible wherever they're made.
0: Makes sense. Where so but, you, wherever. You do a one in Rome scenario, like your your favorite taco could be a carne asada, but when you go to El Pollo Loco, you're getting chicken. So any so in in a world where all things equal, shout out to Oliver Cinco de Mayo heads. I would
1: say something of of a prosciutto or a serrano, Bravo. a whole muscle meat, yeah, yes. cured, funky Ooh. with fat, really soft and velvety, with a decent amount of fat on it, if not half at least Are you eating that third? straight up?
0: Are you eating it on a toothpick with a cornichon? Are you eating it on a fresh baguette? I would like to start Are you eating it on a triscuit? I like to start thing. with it
1: by itself and then I like to take a nice mm. baguette and dip it in olive
0: oil and finish mm. with that. Damn. That's that's where I'm at. I feel that, like that would be the that would be the ideal. I feel like I'm just getting swept away on this podcast. Like we do this podcast all the time and we talk about food. Strap in, baby. All the time and I don't know what's going I feel like I'm hormonal or because
1: this audience has just got
0: fire questions. Something's going on, but
1: I'm shoutouts. Like, thank
0: you for the questions. I ne- like I'll, listeners. I'll watch something on TV or I'll look at a picture of. food. Well, we are watching
1: porn right now,
0: <laughs> and I'll be like, "That looks good. I want to eat it." But I, that's this never happened when I'm done this podcast. Where I'm like licking my licking my chops just at the stuff that we're already talking about. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just just so hungry, but I'm not even that hungry. But either way. I'm starting to see what it feels like to just be uh, an audience member. Sure. Drooling. Drooling on my iPod Nano. Uh, We might be giving ourselves a little too much credit at this point in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you're enjoying all of it. Uh, Obviously, we're entertaining each other. His final question, uh, pesto or red sauce? That's a tough one. Yeah, that reminds me. I'm taking me, the fifth on this one. That's a tough. That reminds me on the on the eater food podcast. Red a little, sauce,
1: red sauce. If like mm-hmm. going back to all things created equal, I usually will lean towards a red sauce, but I want it to be meat specific. I don't want it to be a vegetarian red sauce. So kind mm-hmm. of like a, a gravy, I'll probably pick that. Three to one over a pesto, which is going to make my dad cry. <laughs> because
0: I think I feel the same way. I'm, I'm, I'm I love them both, but we're from Genoa, and that's that's a that's a right. pasta, a pesto pasta specifically. Gun to my head, I'm I'm picking the red sauce. But that that reminded me of another question they'll ask on the eater one lightning round: olive oil or butter? Olive oil. Well, well, well yeah, I guess I'm always. I'm asking in an uh, Italian, so.
1: I, I mean, I think the only reason I have butter is usually to do, like, a roux. I don't know. Butter, butter stays in my fridge a very long time. I eat, I eat a good amount of butter. Yeah,
0: There's nothing wrong with it. I'm saying me. I cook a, lot of, cook a lot of eggs, so I'm always buttering. And then I've been doing a lot of fried rice lately. I've been doing a ton of fried rice lately. Butter, man. Butter in the fried rice. That's really? how you can take it from good to great. Chinese Five Spice, a little, little dusty is how I've been doing it. We need to do a side pod just on fried
1: rice. Save it for the next one. But no, I've been doing a fried rice almost once a week for like the last month. And I don't know why. I've just been really enjoying it and making it really I've
0: been doing it as my get home at 11 to no. 12. Oh, no. Got a couple pops in me. Yeah, and, I wanna, and I want a little, onion, I want a nice, hot, satisfying bite. I'm hungry. So I've been trying to figure out a way to make a nutritious, like obviously there's going to be oil, mm-hmm. a little bit, and Trusted bad stuff
1: way. in there. Do you have the rice already in the fridge, dried out and yeah. sitting there? Yeah, well, here's the thing.
0: I've been, I've been making like the healthiest version of all time where it's, I'll do a ton of garlic. Mm-hmm. So like for one small bowl, I have like four cloves of garlic. What about pineapple? No pineapple. Oh, so I'll do olive oil, hit it with the garlic. Cook that super high heat, you know, so it, in 10 seconds it's done. Crack an egg in there, stir it around, hit it with a little bit of salt. Then I'll put in some farro, or like a wheat berry, like a brown whole grain instead of the rice, which is mm. Then I'll put in a bunch of shard stems. That's nice. And then spray it down with some Bragg's liquid amino and mm-hmm. a couple little little bits of butter, and then just... Let that cook down for a little bit. Put a little avocado on top. Mm. And then you kind of, you know... It's 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 a decently well-rounded meal. It's hot, it's salty, it's crunchy, it's garlicky, it's soft and mushy and fatty. But it's all decent stuff in there. So I always use jasmine rice. I'm always doing a white rice.
1: Mm. And I don't season it at all with any kind of soy sauce or brags or anything. Because I feel like I really like doing that. Um, while I'm eating it, I don't like it cooked in. I like it to taste really strong and specific on top.
0: Mm. And I'm always, I don't
1: ever use soy sauce or brags. I always use ponzu. That's my favorite.
0: <laughs> it's a finishing finishing sauce. But
1: my guilty pleasure, which is not unhealthy, but it's kind of trashy, Uh-oh. is I like the frozen bag of peas, carrots, and green beans.
0: Mm. So you dump
1: in a couple of scoops of that. So I'll start with like some toasted sesame oil, like. One to four olive oil to toasted sesame oil because it's really heavy and strong.
0: Yeah. So mostly Extremely olive oil. Extremely strong.
1: Then a little bit of toasted sesame. And I'll do some onions and garlic in that. And then I'll throw in uh, the egg. Mm-hmm. Toss that in there. And then the peas and carrots and green beans. Mix that around. And then, and
0: then the those that veg is going in frozen. Yeah, you're not re, you're not nuking it or reheating no. it.
1: But it cooks. They're so small. It just like it instantly is fine. It doesn't even cool down the wok. And then the rice goes in. Pretty sure
0: about that, sweetie? Pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And
1: then a little bit of five spice and a little bit of salt and a little bit of black pepper.
0: Mmm. Okay. Fried rice, it's coming around. It's and also new.
1: and you know obviously add chicken or if I'm going to put meat in it or whatever, but. Sure.
0: I've been doing a lot of fried rice. Sometimes I'll put in um, guanciale. Is that bad? No, it sounds great. It's so good. I bet. A little goes a long way. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, good questions, my, my man. Sorry about that fried rice tangent. I'm not sorry about it because it was good. Next question from Matt Casio. Matt O. Casio. Favorite French food slash thoughts on the French paradox? What's the French paradox? The French paradox being... They drink wine and eat heavy food and they're skinny? That's right. Sure. Well, I mean, in more words or less, yes. The the French paradox, uh, French people have a relatively low chance of coronary heart disease while having a diet relatively rich in saturated fats. I think, I mean... So, yeah, basically what you said. Just so, favorite French food first. I'm going to yeah. say I really like the, I love the classic French omelet that mm-hmm. you would get at Petit Trois, per, perhaps, where it's just nothing but butter and egg and salt, and it's just perfect technique, fantastic. Uh, every, everything else, <laughs> like, like, I don't like a steak au poise. I don't really love snails because they just taste like butter, and you can just be eating anything. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not super duper. Uh, although at my brother's wedding, that that ratatouille was really good. I liked it. <laughs> I for some it had an interesting, it was nice, yeah, it was good, interesting thing going on. Mm. Nice, light, so I would like to try a proper. I would good. like to try a proper ratatouille. And see it, see where that takes me, but I mean, I think the French really have perfected butter, butter and cheese, you know, European, just like a French baguette with French butter and French sea salt on it. Or the Irish, I mean, just Europe in general. I mean, we're talking about France, baby. I mean, but yeah, but I think that's where they really shine. But for me, yeah, just that omelet, that French omelet, glistening, perfect yellow. Skin on the outside, not a not a mark of color on it. The inside all kind of runny and egg guts in there and basting every millimeter of it with butter. I'm doing it again. Some no, I'm fresh, not. Fresh maldon sprinkled the top. No, I'm good. I'm not really excited oh, about this. Oh, it's so good. It is good. It is. I mean, but to me, it's yeah. That's the French version of like an omakase sushi bite of yes. just like the perfectly cooked rice with the perfect cut fish on it, the perfect fresh wasabi, a little paintbrush of whatever giro sauce is on top. Elegant simplicity. That's what I call soy sauce now. Giro sauce. I'm a foodie, so yeah, that's what you do.
1: No, but I think like you say butter and it's it's always confuses me why. Like American butter is so different than anything like the UK, like Irish butter or European style. Even mm-hmm. when it says European style, it's like why? Why is it so incredibly different? I mean, is it is it the terroir? Is it what the cows are eating? That what they're grazing on? Is it how they make? Is it everything?
0: But I, I don't know. I mean, they're lowered yeah. pasteurization standards. Probably. All it's, that it's, has to be. It's, a huge it's all part of, it. of these things combined, and also their. You know their rich traditions of how a good butter should be, and Americans are just you know
1: they can't believe it's not butter.
0: <laughs> we're just a bunch of slack jawed yokels who don't know no good. But it's just so good. I think cassoulet would be my
1: favorite French dish in a in a way that like I'm not a huge fan of oh. French cooking because it's heavy and I usually don't necessarily feel great after eating a really intense ouais, French ouais, meal. Ouais. Um, but. I mean, a steak frite is, is great. I think that kind of lives on yeah, but the sourcing I, of the steak, and it's almost not a dish.
0: It's I don't consider a a steak free to be French food. That's just a plate of French fries but and a steak. But culturally, it's on
1: every single menu you know, that you go yeah, to. Yeah, you can Any get Brasseria, steak free at Denny's. I mean, no, you can't because I think, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, the steak frites I got at, mayonnaise. The steak free at Church and State's different than the steak free at Denny's.
0: How so? In terms of quality, so, well, like I what just, are they putting on the steak? Free that's different. It's it's a bowl of French fries and it's a steak. I would say the way that it's cooked, salt and pepper, the way I mean. it's sourced.
1: I mean, but that's not that's then you're going into an argument where it's like anybody who's got a good hamburger, then anybody's got a good hamburger.
0: Well, I'm, all, all I'm saying is so, that steak free, I don't consider it to be true. I don't. It, I don't think there's enough unique aspects to it to make it a. "Quote unquote French food." Well, it's always clean.
1: It's never sauce with a mushroom gravy. It's always like <clears> just <throat> something that's kind of thrown on a plancha or on a wood grill or yeah, but that's just an open grill. That's every steak. That's great. That's all steaks. I just don't know if I agree. But I would say like because to say that I'm there's just a steak I want you on to- any menu is not true, and to say to equate it to Denny's. And any restaurant in L.A. doesn't necessarily have a steak on the menu. And I would say like any brasserie or anywhere you go in Paris, at least, or in good parts of France, like it's a ubiquitous thing. I'm saying
0: it's not hard to find a steak on a menu. Obviously, it's not on every menu. Nope. A plain steak. And it's not, it's even easier to find a bowl of French fries. Nope. And it's even easier. No? No, no, no. I'm saying it's not. It's not Oh, correct, 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 correct. But... But I like think it's, it's it's hard to find a mole everywhere, and it's hard right. to find uh, yakitori everywhere, and it's hard to find... That's fair. Gojujang everywhere. I also said cassoulet is my favorite dish. but Cassoulet is but, delicious. But my
1: point is that the steak frite is very cultural and very specific to French cooking. Whether you can argue how it comes in and exactly what kind of steak it is on the menu, um, I would say that it's... You know, it's like the taco. To I mean, it's not even fair to say taco because like you go and talking about a taco stand, but I think it's very fair to argue that steak frites is specifically a French dish, even though there's forms of it all over the place and all different types of cooking.
0: So, What what are some different forms
1: of steak frites? Well, like you said, Denny's. Like when you're saying like steak is anywhere, then you're saying like that's just the cut of meat. But I think when I say very, steak,
0: it's, it's a piece of steak that you grill with salt and pepper. You can get that all over the place. Sure.
1: I'm also arguing this with someone who's not French, and they would probably have a very specific idea of culturally what mm-hmm. that means to them and what it means to their culture That's and what true. it means to their eating. Mm-hmm. That's and kind you- of like
0: when when I describe, when I talk about california breakfast versus australian breakfast and like what do you guys do in australia that's so different they're like we get like some eggs and we got some really good bread and some avocado and like some nice bacon and i'm like yeah dog that's what we do here as well and they're like and then but their argument is like it's just different i can't explain it but it's just different so maybe it's that kind of vibe but they're also their
1: version of a breakfast, at least, you know, like if you're talking about the basic eggs and, and toast kind of thing, leans more towards like an English fry-up
0: Then No. I mean, just for all the times I've had breakfast in Australia. Right. I've been there a few times. And all of it seemed
1: to be more, more of like a British version. I'm not saying it's like a total dirty fry-up, mm-hmm. but like <laughs> if you're comparing it to like what I would find in LA and what I would find in London... It seems close to
0: something that I would find in London. Really, I had the opposite, full opposite. Agre- so no avocados going on over over for you. No, more of a baked bean. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. I guess we're gonna have to talk to Yeo after this. Well, you're probably. I mean, also depending on where you're eating, if you're going
1: to whatever's <clears throat> doing the most farm I'm going to, to table, beachy
0: ones. Yeah. Only, yeah. <laughs> only. I'm not. I'm not having breakfast in the pub. Right. Speaking of yeah, his question is what that mouth do. That's not a food question. We all know what that question means. Don't listen to that one, Mom. Mitch Goldstein, fan of the show, friend of the show, how do y'all feel about lemon on pizza? Definitely okay with it. Okay. Lemon on pizza is okay. I don't know if I'm a lemon on the pizza guy. It's not something that I'm gonna reach for or consider traditional,
1: but I think it's I've had good pizzas with lemon on it.
0: I think it really obviously depends on the other accompanying ingredients. Sure. So you know if you're having a spago, smoked salmon and creme fraiche pizza, bring it on, bring the lemon on. But for the, I mean, I, I think a look a lemon, lemon. I think it goes nicely with like a sausage and a green.
1: Yeah, but if you're talking about something like you're trying to do something very specific to like a Meyer lemon rind that's been Mm. salt and sugar cured, and that's kind of like the highlight of what you're using, and maybe it's a white sauce. Mm. Sure. But if you're just talking about throwing lemon on a random pizza, no. That doesn't make any sense. But when you're highlighting something, if you're contrasting like that acid with something creamy heavy. So a
0: nice white pie, garlicky, nice olive oil, a little cured lemon Woo. So that makes sense to me, but yeah, I'm not against it. I think it's just not necessarily for mm-hmm. every pizza. All right, we have to. We're gonna. We have to hit the rest in a lightning round style. Do we, or can we save them? No, we're not gonna save them because I'll just forget. Okay. We're gonna go lightning round style. Mitch's next question: What is the best filling for a veggie taco or burrito? Beans. I mean, for me. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't like anything straying away. So if I'm getting a veggie burrito, I want it to be beans. I want it to be cheese. I want it to be rice. A little bit of rice. Beans are special. I mean, beans are overlooked. Yes. A good, a a nice good bean. Rancho Gordo bean, like
1: it's as good as any meat filling if it's done well. Mm. So I would say beans.
0: I need to have guac in there. I need to have sour cream in there. I need to have a salsa in there. I like a little... Do you mean, say filling or fillings? Both. Oh, okay. The S was in parentheses, but for me, if I'm getting a veggie one, I like to get a straight up, regular, run of the mill fillings. I don't. But for a taco, you can you can get a little more wild. But even then, like jackfruit, I like a jackfruit, you know, stuff like that, morels, uni. Um, but I don't I don't like my tacos or my burritos to be too highfalutin. I like to stick to the regs. You also like fries in your tacos and burritos, depending on it. Um, I will which occasionally is a, like which a is a tight California burrito, not in a French, not in a taco. Which is a tight, veggie filling. Some people a French th- fry. Yeah, a lot of people think it's an abomination to put French fries in the burrito. They're crazy. Australians, wink, wink. Best flavor of ice cream for me: it's a classic vanilla or a mint chip.
1: I'm a huge fan of mint chip, but I think my favorite is a salted caramel. Salted caramel must be nice. McConnell's makes a great one. Okay. okay. But I think my favorite, all of my favorite ice creams have always been salted.
0: Mm -hmm. I need that in there. Even, Even since you were a child?
1: No, but if you're talking about like not eating at CVS and getting chocolate malted crunch, which might be my single favorite flavor of all time, period.
0: Okay, that's that's where we wanted to get
1: to. But if, yeah, if you're talking about a nicer ice cream, you know, I think, to me, it's more about it being salted than the actual flavor of it because it can be lavender, it can be caramel, it can be chocolate, it can be anything. But the salted part of it is what kind of, Sets it off for me.
0: Moral of the story: You're a salt daddy. Yeah. Moral of the stories: I don't really like ice cream.
1: <laughs> I just really like salt.
0: Uh, Mitch also sent over this image that we're not going to get to, but you should look it up. It's called the sandwich alignment chart. Oh. Where it's like a. Is it saying that hot dogs are not a sandwich? Uh, it is. Yeah. But it's it's, it's a, when you when you said it, I was like, I know it. It's this a is. cross-sectional graph that. Rates all sandwiches in terms of their structural alignment and their ingredient purity or rebellious levels. So, like, chakra. The most ingredient rebellious sandwich would be like a Belgian waffle, fried chicken, you know, ice cream, kale chip thingy. And then the most structural one, rebellious, would be like a weird wrap, flatbread thing. Mm-hmm. And then everything in be- right in between is a hot dog. Is there anything that is like
1: lettuce wrapped?
0: Is it's no, not on the scrap. It's all got
1: buns. not on the graph. buns part of the requirement or some sort of I bread? I think so. It is Which is fair. Which is a, I think that's a good qualifier because then you could really kind of go all over the place. This
0: kind of graph is right, ally Sadly, we don't have time to do a full deep dive into it, Mitch, but thanks for those questions. Carlos says favorite hummus additions uh or or dippers or derivitations good word is that a word derivitations is that a word maybe i don't know um carlos i mean it's it, for me dipping the hummus i mean it's really hard to beat like i go to dune all the time and like i think just having a really nice more on the watered-down side of hummus is is kind of the traditional preferred way of doing it. No olive oil in it, but olive oil on it. I like the olive oil on it. Yeah. Um Like a little well, like yeah, a pasta I mean, well. Yeah, I like that. That's the way it should but, be done. But I mean, I have a I have a recipe where I I, I like the sumac on top. Oh yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, just a nice nice little flatbread, non pita kind of thing really seems to work the best in there but you know hummus is is so normal and good and you know good for a carrot carrot stick in there I've, I have I have a recipe where I use hummus and I put all the leftover charred, charred stems in it just steam them up and and hit them in there and they so you can just munch them all in a scenario where you don't even notice that they're there other than it turns your hummus like a little bit of a grosser looking color
1: I think the best hummus is it's hummus that's just been made a half hour before, and it's, it hasn't been chilled ever. It's never been let come to, like, a refrigerator temperature. Mm-hmm. And that's I think the that one. speaks to... I don't know if it's watered down, but it has to at some point. If you're putting it in a refrigerator, it's going to cool down. It could potentially lose some moisture doing that, and yep. it's going to change in texture. Mm-hmm. But when you have something you just blended some hummus together and you're serving it, I mean, that's like... Oh, yeah. That goes miles beyond any kind of seasoning to me. Mm-hmm. Once you have a baseline, like it's reasonable, it's good. Mm-hmm. The, the freshness will beat almost anything else most of the time, as long as it's salted enough, basically. Agreed. Oh, so good.
0: <clears throat> all right, Andre. We are the best thing that we ate all week. Badmash. All right, you start it off.
1: Because I got to go <coughs> for the first time. <coughs> Stewie, R.I.P. Um, You could not make it tonight because you're working hard as always. Mm -hmm. But we got to go to the restaurant that he's at right now, he's working at. And they had a mussels and coconut curry that I thought was my favorite dish Mm -hmm. of the night. And I don't always love mussels. I really like them when they're good, but it's kind of like one of those things where it has to be good. Um, Served with some fresh naan, the, uh, the chili cheese naan. Um, Mm. and the mussels were outstanding and fresh and incredible, but really it was kind of like the coconut curry that they were sitting in. It's always nice to, like, to. curries are so different from cuisine to cuisine, and Indian curries can be so different from Thai curries or North African curries, Um, and that one was just so clean, and the coconut was so... Heavy and strong, the flavor of it. It was thick and viscous. It was just, it was perfect. It was light enough that it didn't kind of you could really enjoy the muscle, but it also had enough kind of character, and you could really taste everything going on from the curry. I mean, I mean, look, even the curries are different as far as like the actual the 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 dry curries they're using for the sauce, so it's going to be different. Mm -hmm. But I think dipping naan into the the curried mussels is my favorite meal of the week. It was delicious. It was very delicious. And everything was great. It, and it's kind of like impressive to have... We had many things on that menu, and they were all great.
0: I agree. I was at that meal. It was delicious. Worst part? The service. <laughs> Just kidding, Stewie! It was incredible. <laughs> um. Very quickly, the best thing that I had was a random meal that I made at home just like cleaning the fridge out kind of thing. I made, uh I, I had to make some bread crumbs for this pasta thing I was making so I had some leftover just like soft French bread. So thick cut that French bread probably like two, it was small bread but it was almost like an inch thick for each one. And then I made a sandwich out of it. So lightly toasted, still kind of mushy in the middle crunchy on the outside and then on top of that was soft scramble some very sharp aged cheddar and then crispy chicken skin oh wow and that
1: what did you have thigh on chicken skins or something sitting around
0: i just got a i got a whole chicken I just get a whole chicken every week, so then I'll pull the meat off, and I'll I'll very delicately remove the skin and reserve that. Oh, you toasted, like, the rotisserie chicken skin. Yes. So Uh, the already cooked skin flap, then you can just take that skin and put it in between two sheet pans in the oven and bake it off, and it'll just turn really nice and crunchy and crispy. And then since the eggs were soft-scrambled enough, it didn't need any type of sauce like it didn't need, need any mayo or aioli or mustard or whatever just a little bit of tapatio on there so you have like the crunch you got the mush you got the sharpness from the cheddar. you got a little bit of the heat and that was just mm. especially with a couple uh a couple pops in you mm-hmm. put you to bed real nice like
1: sounds delicious i'd eat that
0: it was uh thank you guys for listening to the stew as always you can find us at the stewpodcast.com, where all the episodes are at if you like us on itunes make sure to hit subscribe and the rate and review button our moms are jill and karen and they're listening right now follow me on social media at them jeans andre Conaparo is not on social media not right now Uh, Next weekend in New York, the 12th, or it starts on the 11th, so like 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th at the Ace Hotel in New York. There's the food book fair where I will be there, live in the flesh, recording some interviews with some people, recording some some podcast things and maybe doing some DJing and maybe doing some other things maybe there And you're going to have a zine there. And I, or a And I believe I made a small cookbook zine. Cookbook. In zine. Uh, in partnership with a few friends, it's being illustrated by Dear Dana and our friend Chris Black kind of produced it all and our friend Amar Deep laid it all out. Very nice of oh, all those guys. So Next weekend, I should be in New York with that, doing all that. So if you are in New York, come out and say hi to me. And thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.